I still think there's still a lot of barriers, but I think it's way improved over the past 20 years. The past several years when we had this recent uh, president, it's, I think, created a, a, a big awareness and charge in me to become much more politically involved. It drives wives wicked. It makes such a golden brown pie. It must be lots of fun to be a mother. I've got something to apologize for. I wore my good suit because it was plain and neat. Afraid of not knowing what is proper. This yellow fluffo is such a short shortening. Hi, I'm Susan Osman, and this is Been There, Done That, a show about women who are shaping our world. Experienced, smart, versatile women who are redefining what it means to be a woman in the workplace today. You know I can't work without a good breakfast. All right, class, stop typing, please. All right, class, stop typing, please. This week, I'm going to be talking to one such woman, Eileen Wong. She's a digital marketing and business development leader based in New York. She has a fabulous story of international travel, professional growth and personal transformation. Eileen, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. Good to be here. Can you just tell me how we, just remind me how you got to China? A very circuitous route. Um, I think I have to start off by uh, going backwards to just my roots. Um, My grandfather immigrated to Canada from China. So I have an interest in my family history. And I've always had a connection with um, my Chinese roots and then China as well. Do you suffer some suffer maybe be too strong a word but do you kind of experience kind of professional schizophrenia coming from such diverse cultural backgrounds actually that's a very interesting point you brought up i've actually used that word cultural schizophrenia because um growing up as um uh, a first or second generation chinese canadian you do you're raised up with a family that has very strong cultural um ways of raising you up and uh, you have to operate through that lens, but yet it's uh, yet it's very different because the way they are raising you up are, are sort of a set of cultural values that come from a few years back that have not progressed with time. And then you're being raised up in a Western society that has different values. And how do you work with those things? When you step out of my family's house, I'm in a different world. So yes, I would say there's uh, that. that's always been a little bit of a challenge, but it's also... Um, has benefits because it teaches you how to be very flexible and agile as you um, go through life. You strike me as being someone who always has their finger on the pulse. You kind of know what the next trend is. How have you managed to stay and maintain current in this space? I, I uh, There's a couple of ways of doing it. Um, I think one always has to be have a curious mind. So one always has to be in conversations, uh, networking with other people in the space and be open to having different conversations. I think one has to read a lot. I think one has to uh, just be on top of every aspect of of technology and even pop culture. <laughs> so um, just eat. Uh, so I'm laughing because you said even pop culture. Like, yeah, yeah, even pop culture. So uh, I'm just interested in how different audiences are relating to access to social media and using different technologies, even from the business side. But you, but you also help other people as well. You've created a network of women, uh, a women in tech called Boom. How important is it that you think women form cyber communities, if not, not, if not cyber communities, real communities and supporting one another in the workplace? Uh, very important. I, and this is the reason why we, we set up Boom. I, I think... Um, 
how that came about was um, in 2016, I was in San Francisco, and I had just come off from working uh, with a, a social media technology startup that had just gotten acquired, so I was free. We got about 10 to 12 women together who were part of our friendship group and who were all in digital and technology, and we felt specifically there were um, specific issues and needs for women in technology and the challenges we faced. Like what, Eileen? Um Basically, um, there was ageism. There was also just accepting women in 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 technology startups or just even big technology companies, um, and also how to help women navigate working within these companies, whether it's a startup or or a big you know Fortune five hundred technology company or 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 you know unicorn startups. So what we found was that we needed to set up a, a community, a support group of women where you can park your ego at the door, total confidence, and have a forum where we can talk about everything. What would you say is, I don't know if I'm putting you on the spot here, but what would you say is the most important thing you've learned from other women? To be able to foster a sisterhood to help one another. I don't think we do enough of that in a positive way. It's funny uh, you mentioned the word sisterhood because I was going to actually ask you the question, do you think there is such thing as a sisterhood? Because I have the feeling, and you know, you, you're more in, in line with what's going on, that there is much more of a burgeoning sisterhood because it's almost like women have said, okay, that's enough now. We're all going to get together and we have to all be on the same side instead of competing with one another. I, I think... With the recent hashtag Me Too movement, I think we're starting to see it. Um, I think before, yes, we had the feminist movement. and But I think for about 20 years after the feminist movement, we didn't really have much. And sometimes I feel among uh, my female professional peers, and I don't like this part. And when I run into women, and for example, I had a former boss who, who ex- um, articulated the sentiment, which I found was actually very sad, where... She says, well, you know, I'm not part of that women's movement. I don't have those issues. And I think she's fooling herself because... We all do as women. We all do as women. And I think we're too apologetic for ourselves. And I think we don't um, empower ourselves with the fact that we do need to to be aware that there are uh, barriers or discriminatory sort of... uh, It's not overt behavior, but it's it's indirect. It's very subtle behavior that we get within the work environment. What do you think is actually useful for the millennials to know about? Um, I mean, professionally and, and personally. I, you know what, I, I, I think you and I have talked about this, Susan. I think the millennials, I embrace the fact that they think it's a generation that was raised by uh, a generation that gave them the ability to feel that they can do anything quite quickly. And I believe that can happen, but I also think maybe that there needs to be some understanding for them to learn respect that um, that you can um, get a lot of value from working with people uh, with different sets of experiences. So I think that's something that they need to learn. Now you spend a lot of time with leaders. I mean, you're a leader yourself and you, you help shape... Um, uh, leadership. How would you define a good leader? What makes a good leader? You know, I there's a, there's a, uh, there's a couple of things. I, I've thought about this quite a bit. It's not about someone who leads and um, and tells people what to do. Uh, I think a good leader is someone who is 
empathetic, who has compassion, also does things by example, but looks at the team and whoever they work with. And it's just not people who report to them, but also shows how they work with people in a, in a lateral way. And it's about showing respect. And it's a, a leader is someone who it shows mutual respect and who thinks of others, but brings people together to work for a common goal. And presumably that the, the leader and the type of leader you have in a business kind of trickles down and, it, and actually either, you know, is either a toxic environment or a, a flourishing environment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think when you look at a company that espouses, you know, um, re mutual respect and, and just good leadership, you, you see it come trickling down. And it also comes into practice of how they hire and what they're looking for, that they're looking for people who share those values. Because if you don't have people who share those values, then I think you start getting too much um, disparate, uh, disparateness within a company. So I'm going to ask you a pointed question now. I'm going to put you on the spot a bit. Sure. <laughs> Do you think, I don't, know, I, don't, I don't really expect you to answer this really. I'm just going to put it out there. Do you think men make better leaders over women or do you think women are better leaders naturally over the men? You know what? I don't, I, you know, you're not putting me in the spot. I, I don't have a complete answer to that. I think it really depends on the individual. Um, I can't say that one sex is better than the other. I think it comes down to the end of the day that that particular leader has to have compassion, be a person who believes in diversity treats people with respect, has their own self-respect of themselves. And I, I think that's a hard thing to come by sometimes. Do you think female leaders are more accepted in the workplace now? Because I know as I was going through the ranks, there was huge resistance having women in charge and men wouldn't want to work for a woman. Do you think that's changed or do you think it's kind of gone underground and that men still resent women leaders? I think now, I think it's more open. For instance, look at um, the number of women who've been elected to Congress in the last uh, midterm elections. I think that shows a lot that uh, the electorate believes in bringing women in. So I think women have to be much more aware uh, and keep moving forward and not give up that um, there are things that we need to keep changing. Eileen, I, I know you've also worked in another dominion that was male-dominated, the sports. We won't go into names, but the kind of very high-profile global sports companies. Right. Did you, well, I won't necessarily kind of pinpoint them, but did you throughout your career experience direct sexism or direct prejudice because of your gender or your, your ethnicity? I, I did. And I think when it happened, you almost don't believe that it's happening to you and you as... And this was like, I would say 10 years ago, over 10 years ago. And you don't like to think that way because I don't like to think that I would treat somebody differently because they're a different gender or a different cultural background or race or whatever. Um, but I did. I, I worked for several years in some very high profile global uh, sports marketing uh, companies. And um, I won't go into names. I mean, I had a great experience there. I worked with very high profile clients. I worked on the Olympics. And I had some great colleagues. 
Um, but I did experience that where I was, you know, I, I, I think there was pressure on me, first of all, to, to perform. So as a professional woman, you work extra hard. And I remember some of the few of the other senior women who were there, we would always talk about how much harder we had to work to prove ourselves. But there were indirect or direct um, comments that were made to us or about us that we were too emotional because we were too earnest and wanting to do something that was that that, that was we wanted to to really do the right thing in terms of what we were doing for our clients or within how we treated our colleagues or how we were team players. Um, and I also knew very specifically that uh, as a woman, I was paid anywhere from fifty to two hundred percent less than my male counterparts. That's amazing. And when you find that out, and some of my my male colleagues told me. And I, I sat there and I was in shock for, you know, we were in similar positions. And yet I was one of the highest revenue earners in these companies. And um, there wasn't any recognition for that. The men would always, I feel, got a, a uh, you know, were given more preferential treatment. And then, you know, there's also, you know, a boys club where men feel very comfortable with each other. They don't feel comfortable inviting us out to lunch. I mean, I, there was one place for two years I was there. And never once did I get invited by the, the senior male leaders to go out for lunch. And I actually went and told the president of this company uh, what was going on. And he says, I think you're just imagining it. And I said, no, I've never been invited to lunch. And yet I work really hard here to create this collaboration. And the younger people really liked working for me because I really included them. In, and I made them part of that that work environment where they felt that I really wanted them to contribute because they had a lot to contribute. So... Um, that was interesting. I, I, I walked away from that, recognizing that and saying, how can I always make it better? How do I always say to myself that I'm, I want to be conscious that I would never fall into those habits of being comfortable with a set group of people and then excluding other people out? Because feeling excluded is not a nice thing, and especially when you're in a work environment where you, everybody's promoting teamwork. Did you ever feel sexualized by men? Did men ever behave inappropriately to you in the workplace? Uh, yes, a few times, yes, yes. I faced uh, physical sexual harassment with some some people in in business, yeah. And were you taken seriously? I mean, did you compl- did you complain or who, did you have no one to complain to, or did you have to be quiet I about it? I did go in one situation. I was very young. It was one of my first jobs out of college, and um, I did go to the head of HR, and he said, "Well, that's your problem." No. So, and I I don't think. Now I think it's taken a little bit more seriously, but um, you really said it's your problem. Yes, it's your problem. So that was that was early on in my career. So I think there are many of us who've faced that, and you, and you just kind of start thinking, "It's is this my problem?" And you you start being apologetic for that type of behavior. But now I think women have to look at themselves and say, "That is like such a, a wrong behavior, inappropriate behavior." And this is what I'm talking about: being respectful in the work environment and just being respectful overall towards other individuals. And I think, um, you know, as time has uh, passed in my career from since I was in college till now, uh, I think there's been quite a bit of evolution. If people are saying, no, there hasn't been, I would say I would disagree with that. I think we've come a long way. Um, However, I still think in some industries. um, Like which ones, for example? say finance, I think it's still prevalent in the sports arena. Um, I would even say in, in, in some aspects of media and communications, I don't 
see a lot of women getting into high positions. And, and actually, interesting enough, I have a, a former colleague of mine who made a point, and she's Asian American like I am, or Asian Canadian like I am, um, that women work really hard. They have all the ec- educational credentials and other work experience credentials. And um, women of diversity don't pr- progress as fast or as high up as, uh, as you know, um, the, uh, as Caucasian women do. Do you feel that the hashtag Me Too movement has made a difference? I do. I do. In what way? And the way that I think um, my male colleagues, some of them are, are forced really to, to look at how they work with other women. And I think they have to be, much, it's made them much more conscious of how they work with women. And I think that's a good thing because I think um, before it wasn't like that. And I think people can slip into some habits or not even bad habits or just like not having um, any any perspective on it or a point of view. But I think it's made men uh, look that diversity is important. And as such, coming off the women's movement, uh, the hashtag Me Too movement, is also you extrapolate that to respecting other cultures as well, that everybody comes from a different background. And we should be respectful, whoever it is yeah. that we work with. Have you found over the years that you've become less or more politically engaged? Um, I think when I was young, I was very politically engaged. I was very ideal. Um, I grew up in Montreal where um, there was an interesting political movement going on there between the French separatists and um, Canada in general. So I got very politically involved, believing I, I grew up in the, the Anglophone this, um population of uh, Quebec, which was English speaking, but I very much participated in student movements for uh, Anglophones to become respectful of the French population, the French Canadian, French Quebecois population, and learn how to speak French and become part of that environment. I, over the time, I think I, uh, as I moved, when I immigrated to the U.S., uh, I was very involved with, um, with women in, I, I, was very involved with the Women's Campaign Fund, believing that um, we should raise money and help women leaders get into politics because there is, and I still believe there is, less so now, but this was about 15, 20 years ago, um, it was always harder for a woman to go into politics. And um, men would, the, the parties, the Democrats and Republicans would naturally raise money or other parties would feel a man was a stronger bet. So I think we've had to change that over the past 20 years. And I think we're at a good point right now where there is, there women are, are getting a better uh, chance of raising money. I still think there's still a lot of barriers, but I think it's way improved over the past 20 years. And as a result of myself, I think the past um, several years where we had this recent uh, president it's, I think, created a, a, a big awareness and charge on me to become much more politically involved. You mentioned earlier that you're very curious, even pop culture, you know, hands up in horror. <laughs> How do you keep moving? How do you make sure that you don't stagnate intellectually or creatively? How do you kind of keep yourself fresh? You know, the key word is try, always keep agile and fresh. Be open to lots of different conversations. Um don't stick to doing everything you typically do. Like, don't stick. Like, I love Shakespeare, but I read beyond Shakespeare. Um, I try to listen to other conversations, what people's point of views are. Sometimes when I'm in a taxi, I'll ask 
the, the taxi driver, what his point of view on something is. And I think you learn, you learn from other people's life experience and lessons and what they have to say. I may not always agree with it, but it gets me thinking in a different way. think you've learned so far what's your what's your life lesson what's your big life lesson to date lie down on my couch you know what I have to say that I don't regret anything I've done because there are lessons that you learn from that and um there were times I said like do I have regret maybe I do but at the end of the day I don't I think it makes you a stronger person if you accept those lessons that you've learned I also feel it's important that as you go on through in life whether you have a professional or a personal experience, um, it builds character. And I think it, you know, it, it leads you to the level where you feel much more empowered. You know who you're, you are. I mean, I used to, I think when I was younger, I, I know fundamentally I'm a free spirit. I'm a very experiential type of person. And that's how I led my career. I've had different different types of careers throughout my life. It's always usually been marketing, but then moving into technology and digital and then do startups or going back into a big corporate environment is that you have to be proud of what you have. And I think that's the most important takeaway I would take, I would like to impart on the audience that um, everything counts and it doesn't always have to be, you know, fabulous or positive things, but you can learn from some of the negative or sad experiences. But I think at the end of the day, it makes you feel very empowered and that you know who your true self is. So what brings you joy these days? Um, what puts a smile on your face? Actually, you know what? I'm a big cook, so I like to create and it's one of my natural talents. So I can go to a farmer's market and look at something and I can create the recipe in my head and taste what it's going to be, what that dish can is going to really? be. Can you really? I can. That's and, amazing. And maybe that's Maybe that's going to be my next career move. I have no idea. But what I do like getting out of that is there's something that I'm natural at and I bring such joy to people when they come over to my place for dinner that I can give them that love. So what of the future? What, what is your, what's your, because you've done so, you've had so many incarnations. Uh, what, what's your next one, do you think? I, you know what? I've thought long and hard about this. I, um, I have a lot of experience in different areas, marketing, business development. I've done startups. I've worked in corporate places. I've lived all over the world in London and Paris, um, New York, and then uh, a few years in uh, China and Beijing, Shanghai, where I met, uh, met you in Beijing and then Hong Kong. And I've traveled. And um, I think now, I mean, I still love business. And at this point, I think I've gained a lot of experience and insights. And I think, you know, I'm looking at a couple of options in it's probably going to be, you know, I'm looking at a, going into a place that could be my own, working in a startup again, um, or going into um, a mid-sized company that has, you know, that embraces great values, uh, but moreover, a company that has a great business model. I still believe in, in capitalism and business, but that has a great social impact and does, there's some aspect of doing good. And I, I, I really believe in that. And I think there's a lot that we can do that we can have businesses that provide a positive impact on society. Eileen Wong, you've certainly been there, done that. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to have you on the Thank show. Thank you, Susan. It's been really fun. 
Thank you for listening to Been There, Done That with me, Susan Osman. Visit us on btdtshow.com for more interviews with dynamic women. And I'd love to hear from you as well, so please leave us a review and subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. These are words of respect. How can you tell when you're really in love? And look how flaky it is. The girls weigh each portion of food they select. The Been There, Done That show is brought to you by Dan Hall at Pup Media Consultancy. We can still have a lot of fun, can't we? Your manners are showing. I'm a princess. Mabel loves cooking and does it well. Overweight makes an individual undesirable. Lovely stockings. And you think that's all that matters?